0: Right now, I need you to understand this, that you are an endangered species. You're a black man, and you will be always with the target on you. And what we need to do is learn how to teach you how to protect yourself, to be safe, and to survive. You know, all this kind of stuff. So my talks go deeper. So that conversation with my father, here I am at the age that I'm at, and my father's saying, Chad, what are you going to do for your birthday? I said, oh, dad, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go out to the, you know, to the river and do some fly fishing camp. Chad, please, I understand that you, the outdoors is something that you love, but can you please go to a regular campground where there's a lot of people, you know, can you please do that for me? Because I'm really scared for your life and I don't want nothing bad to happen.
1: This is Chad Brown. Chad is a decorated U.S. Navy veteran, fly fisherman, creative director, photographer, and nonprofit founder of Soul River Inc. His nonprofit focuses on bringing together veterans as mentors for inner city youth with the hope that it encourages youth participants to grow and become ambassadors for our natural environment. Talk about an ambitious, skilled, determined, and all-around awe-inspiring human. That's who Chad Brown is. He's a man who loves his time on the river and loves the solace that the outdoors can bring. But the difference for Chad is that recreating in the outdoors isn't always a safe or solace experience. He battles racism in his experiences with the outdoors, and that is simply just not okay. Chad is a Black man. But Chad is also a human. A human that deserves to have the outdoors be a safe, fun, healing, wonderful place without exception. Today, Chad and I talk about his personal instances of discrimination he has faced in the outdoors and his personal experiences of racism. I definitely want to have Chad back for a follow-up podcast to hear all about the work he does and the lives he's impacted and his own personal story and journey with healing PTSD with outdoors. But today's episode is about something different. It's about the fact that we need to show up and fight for our fellow humans, specifically Black lives, in the outdoors. The outdoor industry and those that recreate outside need to understand it's a space for everyone. This episode is about racism and how it shows up for Chad in his life. A man who simply just loves to play outside. I'm Holly Mandrich. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. If you'd like to follow along or learn more, you can find me on Instagram at Holly or check out my website, hollymandrich.com.
0: Hi, Chad. Hello. 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 How are you doing?
1: I am quite well. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> um, I'm excited to talk to you, hear all the things you have to say. I have already sort of introduced you in the little bi- intro thing, but I would love to you know, hear in your words who you are, what you do, who you serve, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> my name is Chad Brown uh, again, and um, I'm the president and founder of a nonprofit organization, um, named uh, Soul River Inc. And uh, the mission of the organization is when it's about basically is bringing uh, urban uh, at-risk kids from urban uh, environments and also rural environments uh, and merge them with uh, veterans, combat veterans and disabled veterans. Um, and what we do with these two demographics is that uh, we bring them together, put them in groups, we identify um Places throughout the United States, wild spaces that are at threat. Um, these spaces, uh, what's at threat, is our wildlife, our fresh water, uh, environmental issues, etc. And when we identify these areas that are at threat, that becomes what we call a deployment. And it's a military term, you know, of course. And we, we just transferred, or we rebrand that name, a uh, deployment, because we don't do outings as or trips, you know, having a good time. What we do is deployments. And the reason why we call them deployments is going into spaces where the land, the wildlife, the environments are at threat. And we use that as a curriculum and we raise that curriculum into an outdoor awareness to an, our goal is to raise at-risk kids into environmental leaders for tomorrow to protect the environments that are sensitive to us. Period.
1: Wow. That's incredible.
0: <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs>
1: it is. Yeah. I mean, i I personally didn't realize that you do that. So, wow, you definitely have your hands full.
0: <laughs> yeah, all things. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit all over the place, you know, uh, you know, and uh, I just my handful is, you know, been part of that pot, I'm um, also a big advocate uh, for um, conservation uh, veterans uh, and youth. And I uh, do a lot of advocacy work with tribal uh, communities as well. Um, you know, and help take a stand with them to help protect and fight for their land. Um, and um, and I'm also a, a photographer uh, by, uh, by school and also by, you know, uh, trade of thought in the industry, basically, as a creative director. And I do a lot of my work today where I leverage a lot of my creativity into advocacy realm uh, to help elevate uh, awareness uh, for the voices of unheard, basically.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, it's
1: it's cool to hear like how your list and your skill set of all of the things you have how it how it can come together to work to do all the advocacy stuff like so much more powerfully, you know? Like especially being creative, like you can I don't know, being a creative like it helps you depict like the true essence of what's going on and like make it digestible for other people instead of just like reading some words or So it's powerful.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, being in that creative space and you actually hit it right on the head, uh, it does allow for you to um, develop unique, different types of visual languages uh, that can help resonate with many people that you may not can't reach if you're just speaking to it, like if you're standing on a podium saying a speech, you know? people can connect on many different ways through music through art uh, visual and 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 that's the beauty of stepping in that space and using creativity to help um, translate what's happening now you know and you know we have a, a long history of you know of uh, the whole uh, propaganda of of, of advertising, and you know, from Russia to Cuba, advertising, all that kind of stuff that helped create the movements, and you know, and and you know, and so poster design, you know, all that awareness, and so yeah, bringing creativity into these kind of spaces, and whether that's writing, creative, or photography, or design, uh, they're all powerful, powerful strengths that can help elevate voices of the unheard to a whole nother level to raise the awareness of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. I love that. The real reason I wanted to talk to you today, of course I find you fascinating and your work is so beautiful. Just, just the other, you know, I think it was last week you shared your words on how you felt about George Floyd and everything that's going on. And, you know, it was super impactful for me and I, Wanted to bring you on here to kind of talk about your experience of what you've seen and what you've experienced in the outdoors, just cause I mean, that's our jam, right? We love the outdoors. There's, there's a gap, a huge gap, a not okay gap of inclusivity. And I, as much as it's, you know, not your job to educate us, like having your perspective is helpful and insightful. Yeah. And yeah, I just would love As blunt as it is, hear about your experience with being outside and recreating, and how 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 that is so different for you.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's really different. Um, It's it's you know I struggled. uh, This is, I guess you could say, to go back how different it is because I can speak to my struggle of writing that article.
1: I'm just going to pause right here and give everyone a quick summary. Chad's article he is referring to talks about his experiences with racism, the outdoors, and his thoughts on the killing of George Floyd. He talks about several things today that are in this specific article. However, if you want to familiarize yourself so you're up to speed, I encourage you to look for the link to the article in the description of this podcast. Okay, back to Chad.
0: Um in writing that article, um, it was a struggle for me because uh, it was one part. It was very, very emotional, uh, and it was also very scary. Um, you know, because I'm I'm actually letting my secret out of my walk and my experience, uh, and it's something that I would stay quiet when I'm am around. You know, outdoor white folks, which I always happen to be like the only black guy, you know, in different spaces. And and so my, my voice and my, 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 my experience would always remain a secret. And I, and I would, I would always um, deal with that behind closed doors. And sometimes I would express it amongst, you know, other, um African Americans probably more likely my mom and my dad and talk about me and they would hear my frustration and and you know and we and they would also help me cope through that process because they, they've they been fighting for a long time, you know, and and they understand where I'm coming from. And so what I'm sharing with them is something like they can give me a lot of wisdom to be able to, to help me with, you know. Um but when I'm stepping out and doing my doing it by myself, um and then going back to that writing piece, it was um it was me, you know, like letting letting something out that's been in my closet for as long as I've been in the outdoors, uh, and letting this voice out and not for sure how it's going to be perceived. You know, uh, you know, um uh, there's a lot of people out there that make comments about, you know, thank you for being courageous. It, I was not even thinking about that. Um, it
1: takes a lot of bravery to do something like that. You know, it
0: does. Um, uh, you're right. I mean, the more I think about it now, you know, but I honestly was not in a headspace of thinking as this was a bravery act or it was a courage act. I think I was just in this more of a space of a tired act of, you know, I need to say something. I need to share something you know, and, and, um, I know I'm, I'm already out there, uh, vulnerable already (laughs) online and, you know, the things that I do, and this just makes me much more vulnerable, you know? Um, and, um, you know, and so I struggle with the ideas like, wow, how I'm going to deal with the lashes, you know, the lash outs for people negative and, uh, you know, yeah, we, we can, we can be strong and we can let that stuff hit us and roll us off. But sometimes, you know, some of that stuff can get to you, you know, ignorance can get to you, you know,
1: yeah, you're human. Like yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all human. Like that's, yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Emotions yeah. are real.
0: <laughs> Emotions are real. You're right. You're right. You know? And so back to your question, it was, it was a process and it was, it's, it's, it's hard to, um. Uh, to show and share that experience. And I'm glad it went out and I'm I'm glad the the feedback is really positive and really supportive. Um, You know, but it's, it's, it's a tough walk of walking into the outdoors or walking into um, a retail an outdoor retail shop to ask, look for gear that you need. Uh, It's a tough walk when you get approached and immediately there's this, um, you know, this 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 place of conversation of it's a conversation that lends itself to why do you actually know what you're doing or or excuse me, sir. uh, You know, that's a little bit too too expensive. You mind looking over here? This may work for you. And I haven't even opened my mouth, even asked for help. Sometimes I would say something, you know, and but it's really weird because the things that I would stay and stand for, I also have to be careful of the stereotypes of me being, you know, uh, black, even in the retail store, because if I'm not too careful of saying. Taking a stand and saying the, the right thing, I have to watch my voice. I have to watch everything because if is it can easily shift to where by default I start to get labeled and stereotype as this, I'm a mad black man, mad, angry man, mad thief, or, you know, thug, et cetera, you know, Uh, you know, and that's the balance and that's where it gets very uh, dicey. And sometimes I just remain to be silent, but I think I can say that and speak a lot for a lot of people of color uh, where they do remain silent, and because if you get tired of being judged, you know, and there's, there's bad people on both sides of the coin here, you know, in our society, and, um, and, you know, even in, you know, white America, there's, there's bad people and stuff, but we also have to not be so quick to judge, uh, and, and be more apt to listen to, um, to the situation, to the person. But, to listen is not to listen with a charged remark. To listen is to really take a time and listen without having the 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 pre remarks or the pre response that you're already fabricating in your mind. Because if you're doing that, that's it means that you're really not taking a time to listen. You know, you're you're spending more time fabricating what you need to say back. You know, and there's been many times I've been in a situation where I'm trying to explain, and that person's telling me, uh, uh, I understand, sir, but you need to go here. I said, no, wait a minute, are you not listening to what I'm trying to tell you? You know, um, I'm just, I'm sitting here trying to explain to you, I understand, sir, you need to go here. I said, well, wait, wait a minute. Wait, when, then tell me, what do you understand? You keep, you have said that eight times already. Then you tell me, what do you understand? of what I'm trying to say, and then it goes quiet because there's, there's a, you know there's this face where they's like, uh, I, I, I didn't I actually the reality is that I didn't take the time to hear you. I can't tell you what I'm really understanding. He's already prefabricating this automatically to uh, eliminate the situation where the situation is really not a bad situation. It's just a situation that I'm trying to explain and share what's going on you know, and and everything like that, you know, because I also feel threatened. I also feel uncomfortable, um, you know, and I just want to talk to you. I want to share with you what's going on here, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a hard walk. It's, it's, it's a really hard walk. Uh, And we have a lot of work to do. You know, we, we definitely, because it's one thing I I think a buddy of mine, army buddy sent me um, a video this morning and it was this, um, it was a black guy talking about, well, he had a theory of talking about the uh, theory of, uh, of what's happening here in America and talking about systematic uh, racism, uh, talking about AFTA, talking about the riots, all this kind of stuff. He had a huge big theory, but he said this one thing and and he's talking about there's. And he, as an, as a black man, he was like, there's no racism in America, you know? And so I had to think about that. And I talked with my buddy, and I said, "You know, uh, well, everything he's saying is all theory based, but I will say this there is a racism in the in America, but you need what you need to look at here is that he is a black man, but he's also fair skinned. You can almost tell that he's probably mixed, you know it's easy to walk through life, even fair skin and not have to uh deal with racism, but when you're talking about The skin and you talk about black skin, it's a different experience, you know, and it's a very historical thing to where having fair skin, it does eliminates the lines. It blurs the lines and you can move through society of not having to deal with the harsher racism. So I can see why he would say that and I can understand that. I can also share with you my experience of me being black in America. My skin is much darker, and the reality is that color is is definitely uh, a, a trigger to certain people in our in our society. And some of us can't move forward, and some of us have a, have a hard time looking at color, and some of us even don't even want to acknowledge color because they are actually feeling like if I don't acknowledge color and say, I don't see color, that's their way saying I'm not racist. And that's incorrect. You have to see color and you have to appreciate color, you know? And, and, and that's the beauty of, of America. That's the beauty of our society uh, of, of having a diverse of people, a diverse of color. And yes, when you break the color down from white to fair skin to black, it is a different walk of experience of how one is accepted when you walk into an outdoor store to going into the outdoors. It's a totally different experience. But that's also when we have to educate ourselves and understand uh what what's going on here. The more we can educate that's dismantling the racism, you know, that's taking the veil off. And, 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 and letting us see it for what it is. But the beauty is that it gives us the opportunity to smile and appreciate what it is in front of us, you know? Uh, you know, instead of being scared uh, or inferior of, of this is a, a dark skinned black guy weighing 250 pounds, bald, you know, who can fit a description of a lot of, uh, you know, intimidating, you know, brothers that are out there, um uh, that, This guy may be a top judge, top attorney. You know, he just happened to be in his regular clothes walking to get a backpack in REI. But the way he looks, you know, it does fit the description. And so what does society do? We start to make judgments. We make some really strong judgments, some strong calls. That man that walks in into that elevator, uh, you start to see the movement. It happens to me all the time when I see... Uh, a, A white guy will move his backpack or I mean his shoulder bag to the left and I'm standing on the right, you know, and I'll see this, you know, white women doing the same thing. You know, it's kind of crazy, or they'll move to the side. And, you know, and I'm not saying all white is it's just it's something that needs to be talked about. We're wired like that when we come into this world. And it's just really a matter of getting the right education to unwire that. In order for us to understand a little bit deeper how we can uh, create community, because we we're, we're missing the we're, we're missing the boat all the time. And, and what I mean is missing the boat is the opportunity to create relationships. It's the opportunity to create friendships. It's the opportunity to create uh, partnerships, alliances. Uh, you know, it's many opportunities, and we're missing the boat all the time. And that boat that's missing, and that void is the ignorance of racism, you know, and it's what it's doing to us for many, many years, many years. Anyway, I gave you a whole, <laughs> I kind of vomited a whole lot in front of you right there when moments over. Oh, it's yeah.
1: it's so good. And like it's all stuff I need to hear. It's all stuff other people need to hear. Like your words are powerful. So thank you. I mean again like you were saying kind of at the beginning that writing that like letting your big secret out like even you talking right now it's being super vulnerable like i'm just appreciative <laughs> reflecting right now on what you said i have in a slightly separate topic i i've delved a little bit into like the history of trauma in the body this you know this programming and stuff and i personally think that like that racism is something like you were saying i think you were saying this i'm trying to make sure i'm interpreting it correctly but it's something some of us are born with. Like it's almost like in our ancestral, like they say, trauma is ancestral. Like you know, if a couple generations back things were totally different. Like that stuff can stay in your DNA, and it's our job to dis. Like it's our job to change. Like what's going on in our body, change those like preconceived scripts. Like when somebody like like somebody in the store is talking to you, like and already coming up with the things they want to say, like that's, we have to take a really hard, like look at like where that comes from and change it. Like, it's not, it's not okay. It's not an excuse by any means. It's just like, ugh, makes me frustrated.
0: Well, the most important thing is that we we're we're able to, you know, have uh, healthy conversations now, right? You know, we're able to create space to, uh, for for these opportunities to, to come up to a head and, and look at, uh, what's going on and, and, and dissect that and, and, you know, and learn from that. You know, we have the power to turn it around. You know, we have the power to turn it around. Uh, you know, and, and it, it'll definitely take work, but it's totally doable. You know, uh, hate, ignorance is 100% learned, period. And it can also be unlearned, you know, it can also be unlearned quickly, you know. So, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm perceiving sort of what's going on as something that's not going to go away, which I'm excited about. I feel like for the maybe for the first time, we're actually going to, like, keep talking about what's going on and keep it moving and keep momentum. But there's been so many times in the past where this kind of stuff has happened. It's hit the news for a little bit. And then it just goes away and everyone just like goes back to being ignorant and like complacent and acting like there's not a problem. Is there any I guess I'm asking for your advice or your opinion on like, do you do you think that there's actual change being happening right now? Or are you are you worried at all about maybe I don't does that make sense? Like
0: yeah, it, it makes sense. I think I could try to speak to it. Um uh, number one i'm i am uh, I'm always hopeful for 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 uh, you know for a new chapter. I'm always hopeful for that, you know, but that's also been the fight, and it's been the walk, you know, especially of being uh, uh, black in America, you know, and looking at my mother, looking at my father, my grandfather, and you know my grandmother, when I look at that line there and for a lot of other people of color of their family members, et cetera. but when I look at my line, they they've been carrying that torch, you know, regardless of being defeated, regardless of you know being spit on, regardless. But the torch has been carried, you know, and it's never been dropped. You know, the fight continues. You know, and and that's when or that's that's where we have to understand um, that you got the hope starts in the heart. It starts with you first. You know, uh, and if it can, if you can find a hope inside of you, then you'll be able to find that fight because understanding what that hope is, that hope is something that it's not going to happen overnight. It's not an immediate. It's the understanding that I'm in it for the long haul and, you know, and I hope that this is going to change, you know? Now, there has been some change. The needle has moved a little bit from history all the way to today, you know? And I think what's really interesting, what's really unique, the act of what happened with George and how this has turned into a global awareness. Uh, And you're seeing companies, you're seeing groups, you're seeing, you know, uh, many micro groups in society. Uh, You're seeing all kinds of people that are stepping in uh, to want to see change happen, you know, and I've never seen that. I've always seen in history until the times that I've been living and then looking at the past history, it's always been just black America fighting, you know, uh, you know, and it's always been that. And there's been a, you know, a, you know, I would say, you know, a sprinkle of, of white America in that process of helping along the way as well, you know, uh, but it's been greatly, when you look at the images, you know, you, you in the in the riots, you're seeing a lot of blacks being washed away by the National Guard. You know, you're seeing all kinds of Martin Luther King, all this kind of stuff. It's African Americans in the streets and everything. Uh, very little whites are playing a role. You know, but today's imagery, you are seeing. Oh, my God, a mix of that and, and, and a phenomenal amount of white people that are stepping out and saying something. So when I see all that, and that to me is hope. And that to me, that the needles moved a little bit more. Uh, the voice has risen. Uh, uh, people are listening more, uh, you know, and, and there's a strong hope. Now. To your question about is it going to be here you know, moving forward, you know, going today, going tomorrow, that type of mindset. Um, I think what we need to start having conversations in order for, to support the longevity of that is that we have to develop an interesting type of structure to help support the movement of that. And rather that's a company coming in, into play here or an organization or started organization, but it has to be a, a, some type of structure implemented and some type of call to action that can be implemented even into companies, that can also continue to support it from a mission uh, point of view, uh, to help uh, align with what's going on. But the mindset is that we also have to think of is like, this is not a hundred yard dash. We need to start thinking about this is a marathon. Uh, We need to prepare ourselves to run this marathon, you know, and that's going to be where we will win and where that walk will be. When we can put that in our mind, it's like, okay, we need to start preparing and training for this marathon. And that hope is what's going to lead us in this marathon. We have to, but we got to be careful that not the trick of our mind that's going to be going today and here, to, you know, here tomorrow, et cetera, because that's the mindset of running a 100-yard dash. It doesn't do anything. You know, it doesn't do a thing for us other than, you know, the bunch of picket signs and that's it. Tomorrow's gone. Okay, I'm done. My race is done. You know, Uh, but we need to start, you know, wrapping our heads and and putting out this 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 idea that uh, preparing for this long uh, for this long walk here. You know, and that's really what it's going to take. You know, when you look at history, when you look at 400 years of 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 racism, in America and how that was built. The reality is that we need to prepare a walk, prepare a marathon to go the link of 400 years, because that's just how long we have to start thinking it's going to take to break that down. Because it's been built, embedded into uh, the land, it's been embedded into corporate America, it's embedded into our legal system. Everything is embedded. All has been built on a freaking empire. To think that it's going to, we're going to do some picket signs and and get educated right now and dismantle racism is not going to happen in one day, but it will happen as long as we stay consistent in our walk and move forward and think of this as a marathon run here. And, and, and at the end it will happen. It will make it a better day. Maybe not for us because the fight is a fight and we have to stand, but there will be a better day. And there'll be a good day. And that will probably be for our future of, of next generation coming up where we have solved this problem and we have this mouth of the racism and we are much more in unified and we're working together.
1: Oh, I think it's great. Cool. Yeah. And I completely agree. Like it's something that we're going to be fighting for and participating in and showing up for for the for the entirety of our lives. Like until it becomes something where it's like, where it doesn't exist. I, I really just, yeah, that's like my biggest hope continually like remind people like, Hey, okay. Like what's the next step? What are we doing? Cause you know, not, not just the specific topic, but people give up on things all the time, like in life, you know, it becomes too hard and they're just like, Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, that's the privilege we have. Like, Oh, it's too hard. I'm gonna, I'm just not even going to look at it. I'm going to forget that it exists. I'm going to stay in my lane and whatever. So
0: and I'm so glad you said that. I'm, I'm glad you you said it because, and that's that's real of what you're saying. It's very real.
1: Uh, I'm guilty of it. Like, like I will just live in my little bubble and like pretend like everything's fine, and then I watch. You know,
0: well, you know, it's 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 it's. I think I feel a little. You know, I guess you know, sad when people say um, you know, guilty and I'm sorry, but I, you know, I think it's. No. it's I feel sad. It's
1: not (laughs) well, it's it's uh it's like hard to explain. It's like it guilt is an easy term to put on it, right? But it's it's the fact of the matter that it's like probably more neglect, like neglected to show up for what's right, neglected to, you know, fight for what's important, like and then you know, guilt is like an emotion or whatever or you want to label it. The results, but the fact is, we have neglected the situation, so it it's not okay. It, but that's my opinion. You know.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's it's awesome. I you know I support it. Yeah. You know I think that, and that's something that um, a lot of folks need to listen and learn. And I I've come across a lot of comments <laughs> like that as well. You know, and my article really. I think it sparked some, some anger, especially in some of those comments on some of those websites. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. You know, I didn't realize my articles go out, but got a lot of hate, you know, and, and a lot of what you're saying came up, you know, and I think what I challenge people is it, it goes back to that example that, in that I was, you know, situation I was sharing with you being in an outdoor store and how people come up with these prefab of gestures they want to say, and they're not really listening You know, and it's that same thing where in an article is, you know, I I challenge you to not prefab your ideas right now. What I'm asking is for you you to sit with what I'm trying to say here just for a little bit and think about
1: it. To actually listen to what you're saying. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's all I'm asking, you know, is is to think about that. It's, um, um, only ones is able to do that is ones that's that's looking are willing to listen. You know, ignorance can definitely do a really strong um, barrier for someone, and you won't and you won't listen. You know, and so and and that's the challenge. That's that's what we're facing. You know, having to we got to educate, and and it's and it's tough. I wanted to. Um, it's. I share something with you. After the article, my phone's been blowing up. I may have to change my number. <laughs> so I found my number and my email, but I, I've been getting some really hateful stuff, you know, and it, and it just proves exactly what I'm saying, um, in my article that I wrote. And, uh, and, and again, it's like when I'm talking to a buddy of mine, it's like, all you have to do actually the editor at Hatch Magazine who first put it, in, I take my hat off the Hatch Magazine for what they've done. It's awesome that they stepped out and got behind it, you know, but um, so one, I woke up this morning with the text and this was, this is how, this is my greeting into the new morning. I woke up with this text. It says millions of blacks think having kids out of wedlock, mob, violence, and dropping out of school is okay. So as a group, Why should I listen to those that refuse to act civilized and be part of my river? Oh,
1: not okay.
0: Yeah. Be part of my river, you know?
1: Right. It's not your, it's not their river. It's, it's the earth's river. It's everybody's
0: river. It's everybody's river. Well,
1: and that's something you talk about in your article. Like you have had these encounters before where people are like, go away. This is my river. And that's, I mean, that's where like my ignorant co- ignorance comes in because I have been in my own lane. I like reading that. I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, like, Oh fuck. This is happening to real people like all over our country, all over the world.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, happening. it's, it's hard. You know, I've been, yeah, I dealt with some really crazy stuff, you know, everything from my river to, me just you know pulling up and going to a uh, a certain section of a river and to fly fish and I have no idea that I'm stepping into somebody's hole, you know, and this white anger would come back and he would say, Hey, get out of my hole. And you know, and it was it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, um yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, uh my brake line's been pulled out. Uh, I would never forget that day that was, you know, there's it's a whole story to that, that I didn't really go into it, but it was, um, it was actually me and my buddy who is uh, uh, Puerto Rican. Uh, and he was really inspired to take on the sport of fly fishing because he saw someone that, that he can connect with people of color, me, me, and he was, he wanted to take on the sport of fly fishing. So to, 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 go back a little bit, we first, he wanted to go out and get him his own fly fishing rod, his own outfit. So I took him to a, a local fly shop and went there, you know, and not to go all in detail about my buddy, you know, but he's a retired, uh, uh, cage fighter. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a fighter and he's a retired cage fighter he done really, really well, uh, in the industry, uh, in mixed martial arts and, and everything. And, um, uh, and, and he's retired, got beat up a couple times, you know, hurt and everything, but you know, he's suffered from injuries. And so anyway, there's reason why I said that just tracked me. And so first we walk into a fly shop and I'm telling all the things we need, you know, what he needs to get. We're standing there and I'm asking for some help. There's Caucasian fly fishing anglers walking in, getting help immediately. We're still standing there. We'd be right with you for a second. You We're know, right with you. we are right with you, you know. And we're still standing there and still there. we probably stood there almost 45 minutes inside the shop waiting just to get some gear, you know, and my buddy got really upset. He got angry and he was furious, you know, and he's charged out of there. And I said, hey, man, you say, listen, man, I don't ever, ever, ever want to walk into that place again. Okay, I, I I just don't want, you know they judge me for this you know f them f them f them I you know and little do they know do the to the fly shop owner and by them making the judgment little do they know the the guy and my buddy that I walked in there with he was a millionaire he was established well off millionaire but he didn't fit the part he didn't look the part you know uh, and he was ready to drop. Four to $5,000 immediately to get what he, you right. know, uh, you know, and so, you know, so anyway, we walked away and everything like that. I ended up outfitting myself. I had some extra stuff and everything like that. And so on veterans day, he wanted to go fly fishing. We go down to the, you know, down to the shoots, Oregon, we out there, uh, we pulled up behind this, uh, Subaru, uh, car and it was right in front of us. I pulled it right behind. There was two white anglers out there fishing and stuff. And I said, hey, man, let, you know, let's get our gear, get our rods and everything. Let's walk down. And I know the spot that we can go and fish. So as we were walking down to go and fish, um, you know, he was, uh, uh, we, we passed the white anglers because they were actually coming up. And I said, hey, how you doing? They said, hey, you know, and walked up. So while we are fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing, you know, we decided, you know, the sun's getting down, coming down. Let's. Uh, I said, you know, let's go home. You know, we had a good time, hooked and fish. Got back up to my rig, put our gear in there, started the vehicle, took off a little bit, and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe a minute, two minutes down the road, whoosh, all over the place. Uh, we pulled over, and I said, "Hey, what's going on? You know, we walked down, and I looked around, looked inside, and I have still belted brake lines for off-roading that's been it an annual completely – Pulled out. It takes a certain amount of strength to pull these things out, you know. And they're still building breaking, just gushing stuff all over the place. And I'm sitting there, and I look at Ed, and I'm angry as I don't know what. Ed, my buddy, his name is Ed. You know, he was angry, and he was like, "I can't believe this. You know, why? Why is this happening? Why?" And we're stuck in the freaking canyons. We don't know what we're going to do. There's people driving by there. No one's not stopping for us to help us out. And we stayed there in the canyons probably up until like 8, 9 o'clock at night, you know, and nobody wouldn't help us. And the only way we were able to get out was this ranger was doing this round. The ranger came over and we told the story to ranger. Ranger put out a report and that was it. And the ranger took off, (laughs) you know, and, and we were still there. We didn't have no way. And so, how we got out of there Ed happened you know he had some good skill sets as a mechanic and he went up underneath because whatever they did to my brake lines it kind of messed up on my gear shift and so he was able to go up underneath and, and took a screwdriver and did some rigging or whatever to where i was able to pull my gear shift into drive and so believe it or not me and ed got back into my rig And we drove all the way from Deschutes, Deschutes, Oregon, all the way to Portland, Oregon, over the mountain pass, everything, while I was using my e-brake and pulling up to basically to drive and brake at the same time. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious.
1: I believe (laughs) you. And
0: that's how we made it back. You know, we could not, you know it was just yeah, that's just how we made it back. And I, I wore that e-break out, <laughs> you know, and, and we just rolled right into the mechanic. Ed's wife came and picked him up. And, you know, she's white, they're in, in a mixed relationship. I mean marriage, and uh and she was furious. She was completely fierce and angry, you know. And she said, I am so sorry, I can't believe this is happening, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, it happened, you know. It was. It was. It, it's. You know. It really is. You know. And it's. 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 Yeah. Anyway, um, that's the full story. <laughs> I just kind of summed it up in that article, but that's like the, really. You know, the the full story of what took place. It's crazy. I've come back many times with a note on my car. Uh, you know, talking about. You know. You know. Uh, it would be really really nice if you take your nigger ass. Uh, to another place. Uh, uh uh to fish because we don't want you here i you
1: know? yeah i mean it breaks my heart anyway
0: <laughs> um
1: and you know i I can't relate cuz that's never happened to me but it just is not okay on any level and i'm so sorry that that happened to you and you know it's gotten to the point where it's like sorry is not enough like things just need to change now <laughs> it's infuriating. Cause it's like, there was absolutely no reason that needed to happen. And there's not even a reason for me to say that there was no reason for that to happen because it was that blatant. Like you said, hello to some people and they just decided to be totally the biggest assholes in the world. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Completely unnecessary.
0: Yeah. It's so, you know, the, 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 the racism is, is here, you know, it's, it's alive and well, um, you know, rather if you if you want to see it or not, of course, being in, being white, you have a choice. You got two choices. You don't have to see it, or you can see it. You know, it's here. Um, uh, for me, um, is I, I don't have that choice. You know, it's 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 something that I I live with. Um, something that I adapt. Um, it's it it has made me. Um, strong. It has also made me to where I, this is how I, this is how I have to survive, you know? Um, and, and, and this is how I have to adapt. There's some things that I do have control over and there's certain things that I don't have control over, you know? Uh, and the ones that I don't have control over that may come at me with ignorance and hate is when my survival steps in that will help me adapt and navigate that ignorance the best way possible, you know, but regardless at the end of the day, I have to move forward. I, I got to move forward, you know? Uh, and, and, and those are the things that, um, are the barriers that, that lies in front of me, um, that I constantly have to be aware of to navigate, you know? Um, you know, I, I, I'm in a um, uh, a mixed relationship as well. You know, my my girlfriend, she's white. Um, she has admitted to me on many different levels when we first started dating um, that um, there was a lot of things that she had these judgments and ideas and stereotypes, et cetera. Until she actually, so we started connecting and started moving forward a lot together. She started seeing things a lot different. And she's like, oh, my goodness. Wow. You know, she was like, Chad. I I, I said, yeah, welcome. And I, I always say, welcome to my life. You know, uh, welcome. You know, uh, this, this is what I go through. You're a prime witness, you know. Uh, you know, and I do, you know, my best to educate. And she's a really big advocate now, everything like that, you know. <laughs> and she steps up with like that, which is awesome, you know. Uh, but I'm constantly educating her. And not too long ago, I, I take the recording of me and my father talking and and uh, and I said hey you know I'll, when you get some time I want you to just listen to this this is this is a conversation you know not nothing stage or anything this is just a conversation between me and my dad and I want you to listen to what my dad is saying to me here I am I'm 46 years old and my dad is 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 talking to me in a way where he's still trying to protect me you know and 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 so when you look at a white household and you look at a black household, in a white household, you know, uh, whether you're, you know, son or daughter, parents, et cetera, there's always this kind of conversation to talk about the birds and the bees, about life, you know, growing up and responsibility, et cetera, you know, however that lays out, you know. And then we have the same thing in a black household, same thing. But the difference Especially a black boy uh, with the with the father, the difference in the conversation that starts to have is beyond the birds and the bees. The re- responsibility is that it goes like this: Son, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, Dad, I would like to be uh, I would like to be a lawyer, or I would like to be a doctor. Oh, that's amazing, son. Okay. Well, you know what you need to do in order to get to you know become that is your education. I'll say, Yeah, dad, yeah. Okay, well, I tell you what, right now I need you to understand this that you are an endangered species. You're a black man, and you will be always with the target on you. And what we need to do is learn how to teach you how to protect yourself, to be safe, and to survive, because Every kid who's black, not every kid, but a lot of kids who are black that that reaches the age of the eighteen a lot of them don't see age eighteen period you know um and and so I want to train you and teach you how to survive if this happens, so that way I will have a son after eighteen years old, and I way I will be able to raise my son and watch my son go to college and be the doctor and i want to help you become that doctor but first i need to teach you how to survive so this is how we're going to teach you if a counselor puts you over this is what you need to do if you in a situation like this this is how you need to position yourself you know all this kind of stuff so my talks goes deeper so that conversation with my father here i am at the age that i'm at and my father's saying Chad, what are you going to do for your birthday? I said, oh, dad, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go out to the, you know, to the river and do some fly fishing camp. Chad, please. I understand that you, the outdoors is something that you love, but can you please go to a regular campground where there's a lot of people? You know, can you please do that for me? Because I'm really scared for your life and I don't want nothing bad to happen to you, you know? That's, you know, that was just a couple of days ago. And that's my father, you know, at the age of 80, 81 years old. And he's still trying to protect me. He's still trying to, you know, he's operating from this generational fear, you know. And it's that same fear that I am facing, you know. And he's saying that to me. He said, check, please, you know. And, and so he's begging me, you know. And so my uh, girlfriend, she's listening to this. She said, oh, my God. You know, I was like. Geez, I was like all emotional here and everything. I said, Yeah, that's a conversation that me and my dad have every time we talk, you know. And every time I talk to my mom, my mom's the same way. And and they all and it goes back to that hope. They've been fighting for so long, but they always say, Well, I'm gonna have to pray for you. My that's my mom. I need to pray for you. I need to pray for your safety. I know that you're doing this, you're doing good work, you're out there, Chad. But it really scares me because uh, you know, I, I know what has happened, and I know what can happen, and it scares me. And it, it, and all I can do because I can't be there to protect you. So all I can do is get on my knees and pray and ask the ministers to protect you. You know. So that's, yeah. If that paints a picture, you know. So, but yeah.
1: No, I mean, it's it paints a very clear picture. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, just listening. It feels like you. I mean, it's, you live an entirely different life than I do. And it's, it's just not fair on any level. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I you know, it, <laughs> I shouldn't say that hearing these things are dumbfounding or anything like that, because I'm, I'm not stupid. I know what's going on, but it's just, I, it just, It's heart, Like I said earlier, it's just heartbreaking. And and in my personal opinion, for a large chunk of people, I think hearing these experiences and hearing what happened for those who are not taking action or are still being complacent. Like, I think hearing that human element of like, listen, I am just a person and all of this messed up stuff happened to me. Like it's like a way to build awareness because there are people who will just continue to like until it's in their face and they're experiencing it themselves won't do anything so i just have found that hearing well i don't know, that's what i try to do in my photo work anyway i just try to showcase real people having human experiences because that's what people connect to right they connect to the emotion and they hear the words and versus just some something that's been highly manipulated so
0: right right
1: Thank you for sharing that. To end on a little bit, maybe happier note. (laughs) I would love to hear, like, when you are in a place where people aren't harassing you about being on the river, like how being outside makes you feel when you do feel safe to be outside.
0: Um, You know, being outside for me and being on the river, uh, walking through the trails Bushwhacking through the Doug fur, you know, um, having my dog with me, Axe, you know, uh, squared ears, looking at everything in interest. Um, and then arriving to that water, that water line where I put my gear down and I drop my leash with Axe and Axe, he stands up in this attention mode watching me. And looking at me as I wade into the water, feeling the the currents hitting my legs, feeling the currents hitting my feet, being able to breathe the air and cast out. It's like. It's like paradise. It's beautiful. You know, it, it it it's it's a strength of power that I receive that nature presents itself. And it's a place of recharge. It's a place of clearing my thoughts, my head. When I can find that space, I can find that healing within that space. And, um, and it will, and it also allows me to listen, but listen in detail all around me that opens my eyesight like a magnifying glass, being able to identify and see the, the intricate things that's happening around me, the insects that are dancing on the water, filling the air, engaging the air and understanding the wind and the pressure and what and how I'm going to navigate this water to get into certain fish that are also responding to all the things around me. And at the same time, I'm at a still place where everything's moving around me and I'm standing there and I'm just kind of like in awe, basically, you know, it puts me in this deep awe trance that is what, it's what brings me back every opportunity that I can get to break away uh, from the urban world. You know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just beautiful. Um, but to fight the racism from point A to point B and to get through that process is a fight. But when I can get there, but when I can get there, it becomes my freedom and I can be able to relate to other anglers out there of knowing what it's like. But that process, I have to always fight in order to get to that kind of freedom and understand um, the healings of nature and what it can do for you, you know?
1: Yeah. And you shouldn't have to fight to have that. You should, should just be yours.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing everything you have is there is there anything you'd like to end on or share um i obviously want you to you know like tell people where they can find you and support your work you, know, what you do but
0: yeah i think we shared a, i shared enough i mean i feel comfortable <laughs> You know, I say you can find me. I have uh, an Instagram personal handle, which is, you know, underscore Chad Brown underscore. Uh, My nonprofit is uh, Soul River Inc., um, which you can find that on Instagram. And my nonprofit, uh, the website to my nonprofit is soulriverinc.org. And so you can find me on all three of those, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time and to give me another opportunity to share uh, the folks through your platform. And I really appreciate that. And thank you.
1: All I want to say after conducting this interview was that my heart was broken. Chad has immersed himself in his love for the outdoors with his work and his recreation, that to be met with resistance from people about how he is unworthy to be there is not okay. And when I say Not okay? I mean that it's entirely fucked up that we are even having to have these kinds of conversations. It's 2020. Our systems are broken and racism is still here. Things need to change. Now I don't need to tell you what to do. You are all grown adults and know how to reach out, use your words, use your connections, vote, and show up for our fellow human beings that need us right now. Black Lives Matter isn't a trend or something that's going away. This is a fight that we need to be consistently showing up for. We need to do our part, get vulnerable, and keep moving forward. Education is going to be a powerful tool in these times. Something that Chad said really moved me. It was his annotation of the missed relationships and missed experiences that people aren't realize are passing them by when they judge a Black life. It is ingrained at a young age, if not from our birth, that the color of our skin separates us. But the fact of the matter is, we're all humans, plain and simple. So show up and do your part. If you want to learn more about Chad, I have included all the links he mentioned in the description of this podcast. I thank you for tuning in, and I'll catch you next time.